0: Again, head on over to FreedadCourse.com, get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory One, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I'm your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, the Military Veteran Dad coming at you with episode 25. Today's guest is an amazing conversation. We talk about a lot of basics, but the basics is often where we get complicated and make a mistake. And I would just like to take a moment to honor you, the listener, because I know you have many things going on in your life, and I know by choosing to listen to this podcast episode that the choice that you have, and I really appreciate you taking that time out of your busy day to be a dad, to be whatever you are in your life, to take a time to listen to what we have to say here on the Military Veteran Dad podcast. And I'd like to remind you also that we also have a Facebook group now where you can join the conversation after the podcast and start to learn to do life with other military veteran dads and connect with like-minded men who want to learn and grow and become stronger and better men and dads and fathers for the next generation of kids that we all want to leave this world with. If you have any feedback on the episode, positive or negative, anything that you would like to see changed, anything you'd like to see improved, or any idea that you have where I could take the podcast, go ahead and send me an email at ben at militaryveterandad.com, or you can send me a DM on Instagram at militaryveterandad.com, or sorry, at militaryveteran is the handle, or my personal Instagram is at ben underscore colloy. And before we get started, I want to leave you with one piece of information. I just came back from a dad's summit in St. Louis where... Part of how I got to this part of my journey was I was surrounding myself with other dads looking to have a growth mindset and do life together. And I met 100 people that I met on the internet face to face in St. Louis. And one thing that really struck me that we all did there was we all took time to honor each other, to recognize a story, a lesson, a memory, some type of impact personally. And I'd like to challenge you, if you're listening to this, to find someone in your life that maybe you haven't fully thanked, someone that had an impact, some story that really pivoted you in your life, and reach out and just thank them and honor them. Or maybe you have the opportunity to honor them in front of others and just acknowledge them for who they are as an amazing human being. Because that moment helps lift you up when you open your heart to shine a light on someone else's. You can move a lot of mountains in your mind, in your thoughts, in your words by doing that simple thing. And you create ripples in a pond that continue to go well beyond those words and you no longer know the impact that that moment you had on someone. And you never know what it took for someone to put their pants on that day. So you never know at any point in your life, it could be a stranger, what you showing up and honoring them in that moment will mean. So with that said, let's get started with our interview here with Anton. Anton Tumak Andrikov is the CEO of Coaching Hub. It is a company that's making coaching more accessible to everyone worldwide with an improvement of results for clients through transparent systems and an a la carte services model. He is also the founder of his personal consulting business, Oak Tree Consulting LLC, where he works with organizations and individuals on setting their identity and improving human sustainability. Through coaching, speaking, and writing, his focus in life is to create a world more focused on the way people live when it comes down to their bodies, minds, and social environments. He has over 10,000 hours of coaching with more than 300 clients and has developed his own identity-setting method. This method largely came through his diverse background and all the adversity he has overcome personally. Born and raised in Ukraine, he lost his father at eight years old due to a humanely unsustainable way of living and working. This was one of the foundations of Antone's mission to help 10, 000, 10 million people to realize their potential by impacting their mind, body, and spirit. He especially loves to work with women. He has lived with just women for over 22 years of his life and relates to them easier than men. He is an open Christ follower, and outside of work, he spends all of his free time with his wife, two daughters, and newborn son. Antone, welcome to the show today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, man.
0: Go ahead and describe what your family looks right now and any gaps that intro and maybe how the Marine Corps wrapped into your uh, your bio.
1: Yeah, you know, Marine Corps, luckily, and I don't, I don't want to say luckily, but luckily for my family, Marine Corps came before this family was started. I went through a divorce while I was in the military, like many, you know, many others did because I jumped into the wrong wrong thing at a wrong time and for wrong reasons, but now my family is good. I mean, they didn't really get impacted by Marine Corps. The one thing that I will say Marine Corps impacted my family dynamic is, uh, my emotions. Uh, they, they think that I'm not as emotion. Was it like me to be And you know, I'm very cold at times because I'm so logic driven and I'm trying to just have solutions versus listening to problems. Uh, but I have two girls. Uh, my oldest is 13 and she's definitely a teenager. And if you'd look at her, you think she was 18 um my mine's seven going on 18 (laughs) my uh middle one she's seven she's my mini me she's totally like me crazy just super self-confident bossy as can be we call it she's just gonna be a leader and then I got my newborn he's four Uh, and then been with my wife for nine years uh what past March awesome Oh yeah, man! How did you, man, I mean, how how did oh, you find the military? Out of all
0: your uh, story, what's your origin story?
1: Military? Um, it's a it's an interesting one. I was a screw up, and I was doing a lot of stupid stuff in high school and wasting a lot of talent. And recruiters kept blowing me up. You know, right around that junior year, get to get into your senior year, they gotta get their quotas filled, so they start blowing you up. And I go, okay, my life's not in a good direction, but maybe let me just go hear these guys out and see what they have to say. So I was like, look, if I come in and talk to you, to one of you, will you just leave me alone? <laughs> I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to tell that to a Marine Corps recruiter because he's going to tell his army and, you know, Navy recruiters the same thing. I was naive. So he's like, yeah, for sure. So I came in and um, listened to them, just had, general information I wanted to find out just see if that could be a good path to straighten out my life I was signing paperwork that day I mean that was the great greatest sale of my life um, <laughs> You're and the thinker. exactly and the recruiter even told me that he came I graduated number one honor grad out of my boot camp and he got a free trip out of it and he came over there and at I, Chumak. I got you I'm like no you, I know man you did it's all good though but yes yeah, so I just got into it and, and fell in love with it and was good. I was a good Marine, man. I, I had a lot of success. Re- reached E5 in about two years and three months. I was one of the fastest in my battalion history to do that. And then just got into politics and I realized Marine Corps was just another business. So it's a different organization that's ran all in politics. And, you know, if I, wanted, if I don't want that, I got to get out. And I got out and ran into another business and same politics. And it doesn't matter. And now I'm an entrepreneur, so I don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I like that. What, what was your job in the military? I was O eight eleven, so artillery. I was a section chief. Nice. What what's
0: uh, what in the Marine Corps allowed you to propel to the rank so fast? Was it a promotion board
1: or? Well, I got two meritorious promotions. Um, one, it, it, one was the boards in the uh, boot camp. So I got. To be a PFC, Private First Class, out of boot camp, which wasn't like a big jump. If my recruiter, yeah, I awesome. a lot of time in the uh, yeah, But the I could have had a lance corporal had my recruiter just give me one more referral, and he was not. You know, it wasn't him; it was his boss that blocked it. But if you have like so many referrals, that would give you another promotion, or whatever. And then I just fell in love with it, man. I, I, it was such a thing that I wanted to do. Was I got to be myself, my energetic, aggressive individual, and. You know, I succeeded, I got Lance Corporal normally, then Corporal, I was meritoriously promoted to, and then Sergeant, I just had a really high PFT score and, you know, had all my, all my ducks in a row, and then people were pushing me to get there fast, and um, so it just kind of happened. I like that, and you only did four years? Mm-hmm.
0: And did you serve in Iraq or Afghanistan?
1: Yep, I went to Iraq in, what, 07? Yeah, 07. That was the year that I got out. They
0: sent me overseas or to Okinawa despite where I wanted to go. Uh, But then I ended up doing three years over there. So I never had to – my guilt is most – Okie
1: was cool for six months. Like it was all right for six months. For you, man, I would have felt bad. Like just landlocked for three years like that. And and the fun wears off, I'm sure, after a while. I mean, I was there six months. It was the
0: hard thing because I was – they originally had it for a year forever, deployments. And then I was the first group of Marines landing on the island that went to two-year mandatory terms. Oh, good. Even though my order said one year, they kind of just said, ignored it and put me into two years. <laughs> That's how it goes. And you can't get a license until you get past the two-year mark. So you can't get a car. So you're pretty much bus locked on Okinawa to the, I can't think of the name of it, uh, the bus system. And once you get a, a license though, the, the the freedom to explore made it worthwhile to extend that last year. But uh it was lonely in those first few, few years because you, unless you figure out how to connect and they did a lot of the, the day trips that they do for the different areas and field trips. Those were fun, but on all, it, it was still a pretty
1: lonely time to. And it doesn't help that we, the but, locals don't love you. Like the locals weren't too fond of us there. So it like, doesn't, it's not, you can create relationships and, and do all yeah, that stuff. You don't like,
0: speak their like, language either. So they, yep. you have a big, and I didn't learn any Japanese. I learned enough to get uh, <laughs> a taxi and that was about it. Uh, <laughs> Although I I could kick myself in the butt though, like knowing what the journey, I'm sure like you probably have it now where you're an entrepreneur, like that was the most perfect time in my life I would have ever have had to just dive in and get lost in an entrepreneur's journey because I was by myself. I didn't have any kids. I had a barracks room that was by myself. So we had one of the more modern barracks rooms where we had a, a common area in our own individual room so a little bit spoiled and it was about as perfect as you could imagine for the environment to invest and do and create something or a podcast or something but wasn't in that mindset and uh and now that you got kids and all that stuff yeah, now you're trying to like, do it damn, it's complicated <laughs> out there it was so, like i those are, those are those are the romantic days i often think back to it's like it wasn't simple back then but man is it simpler now fucking
1: <laughs> back for sure. For sure. No, I, I could appreciate that, man. I'm the same way. Like in my younger years when I had all the time in the world and I should have been doing this and been ahead of the curve and nope, nope. Now I got to wait. Now I'm trying to do it with three kids and a wife. And now it's-, it's like trying to do it, like
0: building a business in an Instapot. Like it's always under pressure. It's your, your mind's always conflicted on where you should put your time and it's a balancing act and you're usually going to get it wrong no
1: matter what you choose. Well, there's one word that, you know, we as parents, and I'm sure we can really deal with is guilt, right? It's it's how oh, yeah. much time can I give to my business and how much of it am I giving to my kids, my wife? Because as an entrepreneur, it's a little different because I can't fall back on my boss and say, well, my boss is making me go to work. Like, no, yeah. I'm choosing everything that is that I'm doing. So that's a constant thing that's in my head. Like, you know, what's my wife going to think? What are my kids going to think? Oh my God, I got a, you know, a podcast I got to do, or I got a webinar coming up, but my kids got a soccer game. Like, I I'm the idiot that scheduled it. Like I forgot about it. Now I feel so guilty and it used to be so easy. Just blame the boss for everything. Especially if you, when you start traveling to conferences that uh, you're, you're,
0: I've had a couple of times this past year where I've chosen to do something and it's, it's a completely different feeling because it, when hundred percent you inflicted this pain and this choice on your family, because you decided to do something, it's almost like a, no one really talks about it until it happens. And then you're trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to deal with it. But that, And but think of being a dad podcast, like try and put investing time into the podcast the same time, like, oh, I need to be dad. But it's like, okay, well, I need to build a podcast. Well, I can't build the podcast to be a dad if I'm not going to be a good dad. So it's like this internal conflict back and forth.
1: That's tough, man, because that's that's very true. You've got it even heavier.
0: Like I'm sitting in the niche that either I'm a hypocrite or I'm living (laughs) at the same trying, same trying, trying to build it. It's it's uh never easy. The only thing that helps me is I work at Starbucks. At uh, I realized last summer Starbucks opened at 5 a.m. So on the weekends, I go at 5 a.m. for three hours and invest in the business there, get things ready and get things done, and then come home at eight and be dad, which helps free my mind up from thinking about it. But still at night, it's either like, do I work my podcast or do I spend time with my wife? Like that's still mm-hmm. a choice I have to deal with every day.
1: No, I feel you on that, man. That for sure. And I try to pull my wife and as much as I can, like I get starting to get my kids involved in stuff and, you know, getting them in videos and having them like video me for videos and, you know, getting my wife, um, started this YouTube channel about stress for couples, like just trying to get them involved, at least in components of it has kind of been helping me out.
0: Is your, is your wife a stay at home or does she also have a job?
1: Uh, she has a job, but um, she works at a doctor's office like as a receptionist. So she, her schedule is set. It's, it's not crazy. So she usually has lots of weekends off and all that kind of stuff. Got it.
0: So you said you had a family when you were towards the end of your military or do your family have now? No, no, no.
1: That was, I got out, met my wife the year after I got out. Um, so she, she seen me go from this massive, like 215 pounds of a man, the tight haircut, you know, didn't you know walked around super buttoned up and was never comfortable at all to now I'm just like long hair probably 30 pounds less and of muscle than I used to be and uh way more way more laid back became a yoga teacher after that because I just needed to live differently but it's it's funny my wife one of the stories she likes to talk about I came back and I biggest thing I had from Iraq was just PTSD with driving like that was my worst thing is whenever she, but would be driving I'd be uncomfortable, especially at night if I couldn't tell who was behind me. So if like a car, if I would be driving down the street and I thought a car's been around me for behind me for a while, I would literally make a turn just to see if they would follow me. God forbid they happened to go to the same place when I made that random <laughs> turn. My car just starts pounding out of my chest. I'm like, Oh my God, something's about to happen. It's going happen. So like my wife at the time, first, I think this was actually, this was first date. I remember this. We we're <laughs> on our way from a park. I took her to a park and we had a nice little picnic. I got a roses and all this stuff. I was, I was, I was spot on back then. And, she was hungry. It was like late at night and we was going to Wendy's and this car was falling and it turned off and she's like, where are you going? Wendy's over here. I just got to see if this person's following me. She's like, what? And I'm like, don't worry about it. And all of a sudden they turn and she just seen me flip and she seen me go from this like somewhat normal person to just wound up like crazy. And I don't know how she, she stuck past that point, but somehow she stuck around nine years later, she's still here, but she talks about it all the time. She's like, I should have known you were an idiot back then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that was your litmus test that like either she runs or she stays. Yeah, yeah, she for sure. She maybe not unconsciously made that choice, but nevertheless, she did. hmm Subconsciously. So when you hear the words come home, I know they didn't mean anything back then because you didn't have family, but I'm sure the same words apply now. And as we were talking about the guilt and different things, what is the words come home to you? Like when you come home from your entrepreneur journey today with your kids, what does that look like for you?
1: Come home, It's a, it's an interesting point to me it means fully intentionally being present at home f- with my family uh, because I can be at home and I still haven't come home. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still working and my mind is elsewhere. I'm thinking about, you know, what's to come tomorrow, what kind of things occurred today. But early on, a friend of mine taught me, Anton, it's not about total time. It's about intentional time you spend with your loved ones. And back when I was working 70 hour weeks and stuff like that in my previous corporate role, You know, that's what I learned very, very early on. And I think that's what allowed my family to stay together through some crazy times that I've put them through with, you know, with corporate world and it's just come home and shut it off, shut everything off, make, make your family be the number one thing, make your kids, make your wife feel like there's nothing more important. And that goes from eye contact to cell phone communication, just notifications. Like we try to shut everything off at 7 p.m. and then not really have anything going on, because I can always be on emails, I can always be responding to social media and different things. Um, for them, of course, it's easier, they're not as much going on. My 13 my year old starting to get friends and all that. So she's more involved. So it's a little harder for her. But that's what it ultimately is about to me is be fully present there, whether you know, it's physically coming home, or you're already there, and you're just shutting off everything else. And you're coming home to be fully there
0: on every podcast we remind dads that kids spell love t-i-m-e what are the simplest things that you do with your kids that they remember years
1: later that you're like really that's what you remembered um silly stuff i mean it's like we're yesterday we we're doing a puzzle um it's little things like that that just stuff that i wouldn't normally do myself but they enjoy i try not to you know there's times that i combine activities that we both enjoy like my, my little one likes soccer i like soccer so we'll go and do those kind of those kind of things but I think sometimes what they remember the most is stuff that I would normally do and I'm just doing it for them. You know, so like doing puzzles, drawing, uh, those are some things that my little one likes. My older one, you know, I'm trying to get her into videos and she likes YouTube and we start doing that stuff together. Uh, but more on her her side of things. It's tougher with the older one. I'll, I'll tell you the truth, man. You know, you you got us. you said seven going on 13 or 18. Um, just wait till she gets to Thirteen, Wait, like that is him. no longer that is no longer cool. Like you don't get bonus points just for you know making jokes and stuff like that. So it becomes a lot more of a challenge. So I try to find things that are relevant to her. Like she's geeking out on phones right now. So like I bought her a new phone and we're learning new new things within what it can do. Um, that one is a challenge. Little one, he's four months old. As so we got to pick him up, throw him in the air a couple of times, and it's good to go.
0: Yeah, you can read a, a book and play Legos,
1: and you've just made their day. Super simple.
0: One thing that I, I've done a couple times is I will ask my ch- uh, kids, uh, "What do you enjoy? What what things do you wish me and de- or you did more?" Like ask them out of all the things we've oh, done. That's brilliant. Like, just focus it back on them, like, "What do you wish we did more of?" And they have obviously things you've done with them in the past, and I'm always blown away of how simplistic the answer is. So, like, my four-year-old son will answer to go mall walking which is where we just go to the mall when the old people are walking around and run a little bit and ride the rides and have a pretzel. But that's like the simplest thing that they want to do more of. And mm-hmm. it's, um, it's crazy of just how like letting our kids give us that feedback because oftentimes in our heads we think of water parks, we think of amusement parks, we think of just the most complicated things that cost the most amount of money. And it's the exact opposite every single time. And I think that's one of the big secrets I talk, we've, I've realized in this podcast is it's, it's so simple to be a parent in many ways, but at the same time, so complicated because you're fighting the Joneses next door, you're fighting the marketing, you're fighting just the narrative that is American society. But at the end of the day, the things that they actually want to feel loved are things that you can do and it costs nothing.
1: And that's, yes, you bring up such a great point. We can sit there and we can come up with an elaborate plan, right? Take them to the amusement park and we spend all this crazy money. And then it's some small activity that's just didn't cost anything. They found a bunch of, you know, papers underground, ground or it was, it's funny. Like you get them a big present and they're more excited about the bubble wrap and the present than they are about the present. Yeah. Like There's that's, a lesson there that we
0: is. often overlook as dads and parents. It's like, it was the simplest things that they remembered and wanted. It's the box of all the toys at Christmas, not the actual toy. And, a day later, they're still playing with that stupid box.
1: Yep. Yep. And then if we can play with them with a the box, even better. Like you're, you're spot on, man. That's such a good point. We, we, we complicate things as parents. And, and we start, because we were talking about with time, you know, just one thing I'd like to add, we have so many issues happening in society because, you know, I, you t- spoke about an intro, I'm, I do a lot of identity coaching and I see so much, so many problems that adults have. Because they didn't have certain things as kids, they didn't have that T.I.M.E. thing with their parents. Their parents spent all their time with their tutors. They put them into classes. They try to get them the best education and all these kind of things, but they didn't show them love in the way that they needed to. And now they're chasing the wrong relationships. They're trying to have self-confidence issues. They're, I mean, they, they may have uh, they need validation from other people, right? Because we as parents weren't there at that time. Say,
0: I was. I, I often suffered from the the hearing uh, that I'm proud of you because that was Mm -hmm. something my dad never said much. And that that governed a huge part of my personality. And it wasn't until like the last three years that I figured out that it was something on autopilot underneath so much of my personality. I've always liked the Tony Robbins question of whose love did you crave the most growing up? Because you Mm -hmm. can impact like 15 different life issues that you have from that one question and Mm -hmm. unraveling that uh, of what we did to get that love
1: And that's, and that's so important to talk about because as parents, right, we've got to remember, do we want our kids to be successful or do we want our kids to be happy? Because if you choose the right one, you can have both. But if you try to go for success and admit happiness, you're not going to have both. You may not have neither, right? Or you may have success without happiness. And that's the the, the happiness for kids, I think is best developed by just spending time with them in a very simple way. That's awesome. And teaching, I'm, I want to go on some more international trips.
0: Uh, to kind of de emphasize the commercialism and capitalism of the United States, but like India or any of the Southeast Asia countries uh, living in Okinawa, like I really got connected to this of seeing a smile on someone's face who has absolutely nothing. Like mm-hmm. there's a life lesson of depth and worldview that most Americans never actually assimilate. And I want to make sure that my kids can understand happiness from a completely different perspective that isn't connected to the latest iPhone.
1: That's awesome, man, because we as a society in U.S. in particular, we're conditioning our kids for all the wrong stuff, right? We're conditioning them that when you celebrate something, you're supposed to get a present, that happiness and things are, are you know, one and the, the same and they're not, right?
0: Or food is something like, uh, I'm a big pie guy because my grandma used to make me a pie. If you didn't feel good, she'd make you a pie. And it was amazing pie but that memory hasn't served me well because when i don't feel well now i want to get a pie and it's it's
1: so funny you just mentioned that i'm writing my book right now death by a thousand paper cuts. and that's one of the things that i'm talking about nutrition i have a long health and fitness background and with nutrition we don't address our emotional kind of emotional connection to the way that we eat but where did that come from what you just mentioned that's it when you were sad grandma or grandpa or or mom or whoever made you something nice, right? They made that special thing, usually a pie or, or
0: ice cream that night or
1: ice cream, right? Or vice versa. If you had something good that happened, you went and celebrated and got a reward that was food related. So now people are wondering, wow, I'm always wanting this. And I'm always this. I'm like, think about it. How often throughout the day you experience those kind of emotions. So those triggers are built into you and the responses are preconditioned from your childhood. You know, I, I, it made me think about it. Now I got to develop something with my kids to where I'm like, you know what, what if in celebration, I get to, I take him to the gym, and we go do a workout, right? And then they they start thinking, hey, when I'm happy, I do this, or maybe vice versa. If they're not happy, I take him when we do a workout outside, or we do something of that nature. So then we precondition them to think, oh, okay, if I'm not happy, what's going to make me snap out of it? I go do activity. And science-based, yes, your neurochemicals are going to release certain things, and your body's going to feel better, versus the short-term release of the sugar that you know we get, and then down down the road, it's actually worse than we were before because those neurochemicals wore off, right? Yeah. So that's Especially a great if you point. you already got
0: the pounds from all those choices, and you're feeling just depressed because you're still exactly where you were, and you are frustrated, and you're feeling the guilt of whatever you ate. And the question I always work through these memories is, uh, and it happens at birthday parties and Christmas, I'm like, how has this memory served me in my own life? Mm-hmm. Like, having birthdays is always nice, but getting them super excited about things. How has that memory served you in your own life? Like even most people would say like it hasn't because I have a credit card to prove it.
1: Uh, Origin of thought, man. That's so cool. Like just tracing where that came from. How is it working for me? You know, it's something I'm doing with my kids right now is we're doing family meditations. We're not perfect. I'm not going to say seven days a week. We're getting it in, but three to four days a week, we're either going to do some you know gentle yoga or meditation. I just realized, how hectic their lives are and i need to apply some of the stuff that i teach my clients all the time to my own kids you know it's funny like how many of us as entrepreneurs we don't apply the same things to our family we think like they're a different separated entity than what we should be teaching everybody else but they should be the biggest person that's learning these things so that's something that you know we work with kids just to talk and teach them think about why you think what you think that's all i want from a meditation i'm like don't need to be mind free and all this crazy stuff I mean, just think they're Where's this thought coming from? Because what I noticed with my kids, I'll ask them, ask them an opinion about self. And I'm sure as a parent drive you, drives you insane too. And you're like, how do you feel? I don't know. What do you, what do you mean you don't know? I'm asking you. There's no right or wrong answer. I'm just, yeah, want, you you to want them to about, I want you to think about what is you, you're experiencing and then, you know, put it into words and explain it to me. But you're always getting, I don't know, or okay, or whatever. So I noticed that and I was all right, let me teach my kids how to find like their origin-, origin of thought. Yep
0: label it and even as like when they go on a tirade or just complete meltdown and they go time out and they're reflecting like i'll often ask questions like how did that make you feel when you hurt your brother and they'll say like bad well that's that's an emotion that's a reaction and so now you have the ability to prevent that emotion next time by making a different choice and sometimes just giving them the words of um, i had an expert on the podcast once and i asked her this question of whether we should give them the words because i don't feel like i'm force feeding them but a lot of times you just don't have the mm-hmm. vocabulary to label it. But then once you like I'm sure as you're aware, you should label it. Then you can start dealing with it and um, start letting it go or move through it and understand what it means about why that you're getting angry. And I love what you're talking about with uh, just investing those little times. Like one thing I do with my kids, I I absolutely hate push-ups from the Marine Corps just because they make you do so many of them. But I've kind of really worked through my gym fear in the last two years and now I've been incorporating it with my kids, and we do push-ups a couple times a week, and they're horrible at the push-ups, but it's like a family thing, and they, it's fun to them. And like, I can't even imagine the impact on their life with creating push-ups and fun, because for me, they're the devil. But for, I'm creating a, a memory for them of having something positive come out of that. That's a connection to dad. Mm-hmm. if Say if I die in two years, some way down the road, push-ups could be the one way they connect with me. It, it's so true, man, and it's,
1: it's interesting how, like, I've did it, I didn't it. I did do it with my oldest, and my youngest was around when, like, I was really into health and fitness a lot more, and, you know, she asked for workouts, she asked, like, for fun, like, she wants to go do, like, not just, like, fun activities, like, she wants to go do lunges, push-ups, like, all these different things, and she thoroughly enjoys it, and I'm like, wow, I really screwed up with the first one, I really should have been doing these things, I almost feel bad, but you can't as a parent, right? You, you, I'm it's sure all you an learned the,
0: lab. You never have all the answers. I,
1: exactly. And, and I'm sure as a parent, you can relate to the stuff that you learned from the first one. You didn't recreate with the second one. You try to do better. It'd be stupid not to, but then you try to re- go back and like, God, I wish I would have done that back then because I see you struggling with it now.
0: And uh, it's amazing. Uh, so I have three kids and it's amazing when you have the perspective, of observing the just natural coaching process, which, you know, being a coach, of how having someone ahead of the kid, so my youngest daughter having two people ahead of them, how much faster they can pick up Mm -hmm. on things versus the first one who had nobody to copy, which is often the best life lesson for coaching is sometimes you just need people ahead of you so that you can start figuring things out and that's what kids do. They shortcut the process of learning and they figure out how to go to the bathroom and go, uh, my son just learned how to ride his bike and he did it three months sooner than my oldest daughter. That's because he's been watching her ride a bike forever and it's just now able to shortcut the amount of time it takes to do different
1: things. I think it's a combination. Partly it's that, but then partly it's us as parents too because with the first one, we're protective, right? I mean, the first one, oh, like, yeah. you, don't want to you handed them. me a baby at first. I was like, it's like glass. Oh my God, like don't break it. Don't do anything. Now with my newest one, I like throw them in the air and like all sorts of stuff. But, you know, we, we guard our kids so much, especially the first ones that they develop slower because we're trying to catch them every time we fall we're trying to prevent them from doing things that may even cause a fall in the first place because we don't know what's going to happen and as we get more comfortable as parents and we kind of learn the ropes we start going okay third kid you're all right you'll be okay just don't get hit by a car okay sounds good
0: (laughs) yeah don't mess up and uh just keep doing what your brother doing or (laughs) tell your sister to make sure your sister younger sister is okay and it's, I love all of what we're talking about. And a lot of what we're talking about is something we talk about a lot on the podcast is legacy and teaching our kids, not how to be good kids, but to be good adults. Like a lot of what we're doing is teaching them to not suppress their emotions, which what puts adults in therapy, uh, that to deal with your emotions, understand them, that these are all things that are creating better adults and creating better human beings when they go out into the world. And, I've come to realize in the podcast that I talk to so many dads that veterans get hung up on this transition and trying to figure out their service and what it meant, why, why they lived and others died. And In reality, others died so we could come home and hug our kids and give them the best version of ourselves to be dad. And that opportunity to make a legacy worthy of their sacrifice is what I've framed it when you're, when you're a dad. And it's, it's the next legacy where we have the impact in the world and creating the best version, which is all things that you're heavily into, that we, we need to switch that mode of the next legacy versus trying to figure out our previous legacy. Because it's over, it's, it's all facts, it's all in the history books, but everything we do with our kids is an unknown and it's the best place we can invest our time to have the best outcome on the other side.
1: For sure, man. It's uh legacy is such a big word that people like to use and overcomplicate. I think we we think that legacy has to be this massive, globally impacting thing that I went and I became the you know Martin Luther king of the world and, and it's State not world. but whatever, right? Like and, and the best one is is through our kids. This is a balance too though, because I do see parents that try to live their life through their oh, kids. Oh, vicariously, yeah, where, they yeah, where, where they're their like, their okay, I, did, I didn't succeed, so now you're going to be the best soccer player, the Ivy School League, whatever it is. I'm like, no, you got to give your kids the tools, but teach them to be the ones that are using it. You don't get to go and pick and choose how they're going to utilize those tools. All you can do is teach them how to use them, sharpen them, and then keep them, you know, keep, them, keep maintenance. So, you know, with my kids, there's three basic things that I focus on leave everybody and everyone better than you found them. That was a Marine Corps thing. Like that was something that we were it really instilled into us. I don't care. I'm sure you remember no matter what you did, you came into a squad band, you were doing their training for 30 days or whatever. And it was trash. It doesn't matter. You got to make sure that it's going to be left a lot better than what you found it. You know, second one is to have a growth mindset. That's something that I teach my kids. I'm like, I don't care if you screw up. I don't care if you don't know. I just want you to go out there and believe in yourself and try to learn new things. And then last one is just always do the right thing. And, and that's, if I can get my kids to take those three things and that becomes my legacy, I'm I'm stoked because I know that they can do a ton for the world with those concepts.
0: Yeah, even one of those can make a pretty big dent in what they go out there with. There's something you talked about there where you were diving into dealing with those little bit of things of helping your kids see themselves. I've come to think of it as, we also have a duty as a parents to help get our kids outside of their life. Like part of American society, as you go for 12 years of school, you think you should. We we imply that you should know what you need to do for the rest of your life. You go to college to figure that out. You come out, you get debt, you're debt ridden. You probably start a family because you feel like you're behind. You have kids, you get a job, you get a car, and you realize that you end up in a place you don't even recognize. You don't even know who you are. You've lost your identity. But as parents, long time ago, we had the privilege to help get our kids outside of their life and to expose them. So I'm convinced of just that you need to expose your kids to other things, internationally, locally, United States, anywhere, but outside the patterns you live in because they need to figure out how they fit into the world and they're not going to do it going to school for 12 years. They need to see the world from different eyes. They need to see it through different lenses. And only through that perspective can they truly launch into something that's going to make them happy and fulfilled that it's, they're not going to get stuck they're not going to fail the launch and end up in your basement they're not going to fail the launch and end up with the boyfriend you can't even stand that these are all little moments and deposits but it's up to us to make sure they understand where they fit into the world and they're not going to do it going to school for 12 years
1: yeah and it's about knowing what they don't know what they don't know so the more what you're saying is expose them to a lot of things so they have options they can see yeah. different opportunities
0: the view of the american dream possible
1: and that's why, like, with my, uh, with my kids, like, this summer, I want to do something entrepreneurial with them. I want to teach them, like, hey, go mow yards, whatever. You know, they want to they do some trash can cleanings, the business they want to come up with. Uh, but whatever. Girls, like, right? Yeah. It yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't uh, sound
0: like something they would come up with.
1: They wouldn't, it's power, power washer. They've seen somebody do it in Arizona. Now we're in Colorado. So they're like, Hey, we can do that over here. I'm like, sure. But, <laughs> but you know, I I didn't have that. I, I was brought up how you were you know, talking about, here's this path that you get on and you work really, really hard on this path. And being born in Ukraine, it was probably tenfold more than what it is for a generation in the U S because I was raised like a baby boomer mindset, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a millennial mindset that I, technically kind of belong to um, but i want my kids to have all those mindsets and then choose which one fits for them see which one makes sense do you want to be individual do you want to be part of a community do you want to be in a corporation do you want to be an entrepreneur do you want to go to school or do you want to learn trade on the, in the in the job but know that no matter what it's okay, yeah, like, it's, okay. And it's not a big deal one way or another and if it's if it's different from what dad did that's okay too
0: yeah, don't fall on my foot. Like I, I have a similar story for you for coming to Marine Corps. I wanted to go to the Air Force for computers. I was ready to raise my right hand. I thought the Marine Corps just was a bunch of grunts. So I didn't even look him up. And uh, the Marine Corps recruiter was the number three recruiter or number one recruiter in Wisconsin three years in a row. So oh, boom, the odds against me. And my mom wanted me to explore my options. And the Marine recruiters at our church picnic that year with the bouncy house. So she went over first talking to him, and then she pulls me over. Quickly find out they have everything everybody else does. Meet with him on Tuesday in the guidance officer's office. Two weeks later, I'm raised my right hand for the Marine Corps, mainly because I couldn't tell him no. I didn't have... <laughs> but at the time, I had no idea who I was. I didn't really have a clear identity. I never, I was the guy that didn't have a lot of confidence. I would have been least voted likely to join the Marine Corps. And yet somehow I did it as like a dare to great moment to just put myself up against one of the greatest challenges I've ever faced and to go through it. But there's a lot of life on the other side of that, of l- losing your identity, figuring it out, never having a clear idea of who you were before or after, and then uh, just kind of going through life on autopilot a little bit. Part of it was I ignored the Marine Corps. like I just didn't want to be associated with it. I just felt like it was something I didn't want to talk about. And really, this podcast and before it, I was focusing on life coaching for veterans. Those forced me backwards to reconnect with the military and work through some of the things that were bothering me. And now it's it's a whole it's come whole three sixty. And now it's part of uh, helping dads emotionally connect with their kids and be present. And it's more about who I am that I admit openly that I'm a guy that cries in in movies and happy endings, and
1: it's okay. I love Marines. The cry, man. I'm the same way. Like, and it's funny you said happy endings too, because that's the same thing for me. Like, I think it's because I was raised by all women, or I don't know, but (laughs) I cry at happy movies, and and like I cry more than my wife cries, and I'm supposed to be this macho. My wife never cries. She just looks at me like I'm weird. (laughs) But it's cool too for your kids to see that, right? Because then they get to see there's not a specific box that a man has to be, in, not a specific box that a woman has to be in. It's good to see a man do what you would consider a woman to do, and vice versa, right? in our family that goes both ways so that's cool man and
0: uh Andy Storch our common friend that connected us together first time he met me he's like this is not the marine that I know in the poster board I'm like I the to bust your, your your vision but uh there's a lot of me like out there and not every person just looks like the one on the billboard and uh locks down their emotion and just deals with life and so he got a wake-up call of what it was like to be a marine and I was on my way home from Prague this past week and uh I was watching uh, The Longest Ride, which is a romance flick, and it was pretty good, but I was crying my eyes out throughout the movie (laughs) on the plane. (laughs) With The lights were semi-out, but there were people still walking around, and I was like, "Eh, whatever, people can notice and judge, but I don't really care, because I remember I watched The Greatest Showman on the way back from Prague once before, and uh, I cried my eyes out during that, too, because it just reminded me of the entrepreneur's journey and the journey I'm on, and I cry at the end of Elf when the sleigh flies over the people, like that part gets me every single time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it, man.
0: And I own it because it's part of me. It's who I am. And
1: it's and all you can do. And, it's, and, it that's, and is, that's, and that's the wish that, that people understood that like the minute you just accept yourself for who you are and you own it, like life becomes so much better. You know, everybody's reading this self-help books and like so, so many different to do lists and what I got to improve of myself. I'm like, just first accept yourself. And then you're going to see that you're 10 times better than you think you are. And then you, the things that you think you need to improve, you'll throw aside and just focus on your strengths. And that's, that's another thing to teach our kids is like, you don't have to be good at everything. Like if, if somebody can figure that out and like, if you know the way, answer to this one, that's something I'm trying to help my kids understand is be okay with not being good. Be okay with not being okay. Like that, that's totally fine.
0: Or I've often remind my daughter when like her brother will say if something's stupid or hurt her feelings. I'm like, do you think it's true? And she's like, no. And I'll remind her like, that's the only opinion that matters. That's good. That's awesome. That's
1: that's a good one. I'm I mean, gonna- it's a
0: four-year-old, but the same idea will will reflect. Like, I want, especially, I can't even imagine the world she'll grow up into, uh, as far as what women will have to face to to feel accepted. But just recognizing their opinion of themselves is the most important. I feel mm-hmm. like even girls today suffer from that. So, like, if I can teach her to just uh, recognize opinions for what they are—opinions—and take what you can from them. If you don't agree with them, then you let them go. Like, that's going to I no idea what's going to do but it can't hurt her and it can only propel her further because i feel like a lot of women just get held back in those thoughts of trying to be perfect instagram and all these different things and 10 years from now i can't even imagine what the world will try to require women to do and look like but you have to be okay with yourself yep for sure and just teaching her like the there's a statistic i often repeat that uh just hugging your daughter reduces the chance of the like by 60% that she'll have sex by the age of 12.
1: Because, oh my god, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go give lots of hugs right now. <laughs> because,
0: like, if you don't give them that, they go out into the world and find it from the first person yeah. that, that will give it to them. Like, a lot of daddy issues that people talk about or joke are like, oh yeah, that she had daddy issues when I broke up. Like, those are mainly because they, they just didn't get that connection and that masculine connection with them and appreciation that they need to go out into the world to find out what the man they need to copy. And they're going to look to you, whatever they find, they'll find the worst. They'll find the exact copy of you bring it home and then you want to kill him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really, you have nobody to blame except yourself because it was the version you portrayed that she should go out there and find, Even uh, for women, like how they, how you treat your wife, like your art, my son will use me as a model for how women and should be treated and what that relationship should look like. And daughters become their mothers
1: and they're married their fathers i mean that's just that's just true
0: yep and you have to be aware of that and just can be present you have to be aware just being aware of it can help you but just telling her like i hug her and i tell her that she's enough i'm proud of her and i'm always amazed like we're in the pool somewhere and she'll be trying to jump and she'd be like daddy do you believe in me and my son will do it too and i'm just like it's just an average moment but i'm like there's something about that they're looking for me. It's like permission to go and like that belief that I believe in them. I mean, think how many people never grow up from hearing that from their parents and just fail to launch in so much of their identity. Like they don't believe in themselves because no one ever believed in them. And I want to make sure my kids don't have those limiting beliefs when they get out there. For sure. So when you think about, what's next for Antone? What do you think about wh- where is your family going? What's the next adventures you plan on going? I heard I hear you said you were going in Colorado now.
1: We're, li- we're living in Colorado. We just moved from Arizona. Um, next adventure for us. Got to do some camping, man. We got a RV. I'm looking outside. This is waiting to be used now that the weather's nice. And we got to, got to get back in nature. I think that's something that's important for kids to do with all the technology and all the stimulation that they have. You know, we got to, we got to, disconnect and, and just let them let them be kids let them be human. slow down and, and uh, admire the daisies and the, the wilderness and
0: even just as men we like that a feeling of adventure we can get it's something we don't talk about and we aren't even aware of most times but we have it in the military I and mean, when we transition we never really think about trying to recreate it but we had the perfect tool set to create adventure every day mm-hmm. and some of us used it when we were active duty to help create those other times we just missed the opportunities to go off and do fun things and Like even our subdivision, we just got a regular, it's a regular subdivision. I call it an adventure and we go around trying to find different things. And I call them random things. Like there's a gravel driveway where there's construction of a house. And I'll be like, be careful. We're going over the land of of the road of small rocks. Like (laughs) it's the most boring adult walk in the world. But to them, like come back and they get excited. Like daddy, when can we go on an adventure again? And it's literally just the most boring walk you could ever imagine in a subdivision. But I labeled it and I entered their world and they, I, I remember one, when I, we were walking by and there was a caterpillar uh a cat uh, excavator and i was like dylan look there's a cat in the wild Can you believe it and like they loved it they ate it up like a freaking candy bar
1: now it's funny we complain as parents all the time it's something that i'm working on myself too it, we, we say oh my kids are always in technology my kids are not like i used to be and i'm like but what are you doing to what am i doing to change that right like when it's that simple especially when you get them early on and you build that into them from an early age that's fun they don't need a lot more than that and and we are the only ones that are responsible for it that's why like I I have a hard time getting mad at my kids sometimes because I'm like it's not their fault it's my fault like if I yell at them I should just yell at myself and skip you know skip the skip the the crying and the yeah all, the guilt all of making
0: them feel guilty for sure I like that and you you mentioned a topic there of that we have the ability to change them and and that's what it comes down to, like even in subdivision now, it, I mean, it's like a Greek tragedy, just the amount of kids that don't like perfectly good swing sets and there's just never a kid swinging on them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, our old subdivision was a fountain of youth of millennial families, all my age. And they'd come out to mow the yard and they'd go back inside. It was just, and even like in the first spring day and in winter, I mean, it's Wisconsin, you're inside for three months a month, first nice spring day, nobody's outside playing. I'm just mm-hmm. like, guys, we can complain about this and we can just, and probably a lot what we're doing, a positive action now that I think about it, we just outsource the problem to other people because that's what's convenient and easy. But very few people in American society own the accountability to change their life. It's very much someone else can fix it. Or they'll wait for Tim Cook to figure out a way to make their kids not addicted to their tablets. But in reality a lot of the problems we have in society is a breakdown of parental responsibility. Think of schools and
1: my wife's a teacher and like the stories that I hear are, are heartbreaking. Yeah, man. The, oh God, the school stuff. I mean, that's something that is is not going to get fixed anytime soon because we're not addressing the root cause. And it's the, family unit, right? We're not addressing that families are not having dinners together anymore. Nobody's discussing their problems. Kids are are having to deal with their own stuff because there's no platform to just lay everything on the table and talk about how things are going on, how for parents to step in and teach them how to cope with situations, right? Like you're talking about, you know, with an example, does that how you feel about yourself? Like, then that doesn't matter. But those conversations are not happening anymore, right? We're we're thinking that, oh, they're going to get it through YouTube. They're going to get it through their TV shows. And God knows what they're getting through that stuff, it's just as simple as just having dinner every day with your family in a sit down you know, meal. It's not something that I, I'm going to be saying that, yeah, we do this every time, but it's something that we strive for because I see the importance of that to my development. And then for some reason, as adults, we've forgotten how important that time was.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced every time an adult reminds you that, oh, you should pay attention. These years go by so fast. That's just an excuse for them admitting it's another way for them to say that I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. they're just not willing to
1: admit it. Everybody's got 2020 vision in retrospect, right? So that's, that's how they're trying to show you. And we're in the middle of it, so we're struggling. But yeah, that's such a, there's so many problems in the world because parents, we are not doing our jobs. We are not investing into our kids like we're supposed to be investing. You know, I, I, I wish there was a statistic that I could, I know just by feel, like the amount of time that families were spending together when I was growing up just 30 years ago. And to the amount of time families are spending now, it's, it's a fraction. I think it's probably less than half just because of all the distractions. Yeah. And I'm talking about true quality time, not time together, because we know that you could be together and never actually be together. Yeah, you can because- not be
0: watching a movie and be on your phone at the same time.
1: Yep. So, you know, that's, and everybody's trying to figure out all these crazy roundabout ways to solve problems in society. Where I'm like, there's your answer right there. Like, we need more education from the government. We need more education from everybody how to be family units again, how to have those good family dynamics that lead to good children coming out of them and replicating that dynamic versus what's going on right now.
0: And you're pretty much hitting on the legacy of this podcast because when I first started it, I was like, I'm going to end the chain of broken families that, that, the military families are have the ability to do more change in the world but if they're not structured in that way then they won't uh and just being able to co- create cohesive family units and uh, and in the end the the dad that never talks about what's going on in their head and that voice gets so loud that convinces them that they're better without them that their family would be would be happier without them like just getting them to wake up like A lot of people when I go on people's podcasts, they'll be like, "What's your primary mission?" I'm just like, I just want people to realize they're not alone. Like, if I can get one dad just wake up and pause for a second and be like, "Man, I am on autopilot, and this is BS, and it's time for me to come home," like that's I'm I'm satisfied because then that dad has the ability to take everything that they've learned in in the military once they're fully awakened, come home, lead their family, and build a positive force for the universe that is their legacy. Like if you truly switch your legacy from your service to your family, you can move mountains. And I often joke that uh, Steve Jobs always said to make, he wanted to make a dent in the universe. And I would agree he did. But I often say like in a smaller world, like I, if there's, a, if the wall's a universe or the universe is a wall, I want someone to walk by and say that small dent was the cloids. And I kind of had that mindset. Like you have the ability to make any dent in the universe and your family led correctly. You have the best tool to make that, especially in ways that you can't even fathom. You can't even notice whether the things that you do will affect and how that memory will shape them. It could be the memory that makes them believe that uh, they could be the next president. Uh, I know it's a movie, but I was watching the a movie the longest ride and there was a teacher that can, kind of mentored this child that was part of this really redneck family. And eventually it broke up and she was super sad about it. And she ended up dying, never seeing this kid again. He married and came back or his wife came back after he died and delivered this picture. And the back of it, it said that you once told me that I could do anything in life that I wanted. And that little picture that she gave him, however many years ago, he's probably like eight years old. He went off in the world and create, created great things. And now that's movie, but I'm positive that example exists. Like Mm -hmm. it's those little moments where we can be leaders in our family to, to wake up and start making the real change that it, people start rigging ele- or trying to get re- elections for, but at the end of the day, nobody's actual life is better based on the premises they did. So not it's- just the movie,
1: man. I mean, that, that stuff's real. Like I, and it may not have been such a perfect moment for me, but my dad passed when I was eight years old and there's a moment and actually it wasn't his life. It was his funeral that to this day drives me to do everything I do. And it was just a single moment of seeing how many people came to honor and pay respect to this guy that I've never met hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands of people showed up because he's a mayor of my city. But I, I vividly remember that moment and everything I do nowadays, I go, I want to at least be half as good of a guy as he was and I'll be all right. So it's not just the movie, man. Those, and we don't know what those moments are. We don't know what those moments are as parents. We just have to, once again, create opportunities to have those moments.
0: Jay Leno had a similar one. I was a big Jay Leno fan. And uh, when he turned off the night show, hearing all the people come out from all the different places that he touched over the life, of being on tonight's show those one shot that he gave to people and comedians like that's where like it's funny to say now but like even five years ago I was always worried about whether anybody would show up my funeral and say nice things like that was a a huge issue that I dealt with in my mind and it was kind of driven when I saw Jay Leno I'm like would anybody show up like that in my life and at that point I wasn't doing anything that really probably deserved it but Now I've kind of reshifted my energy and now I'm I'm making an impact in areas that I'm not really thinking about anymore, actually. So it's probably, it's even better because I'm not thinking about it anymore. Focusing on the process,
1: not the outcome. (laughs)
0: Correct, thinking of how to get there and that's going to happen as long as I continue to focus where I'm good at and my energies and vice versa. Well, I've absolutely loved this conversation, Anton. If you want to wrap up all your advice into one parting piece of advice, what would it be for military veteran dads?
1: That you know, I think you, you already said it, they're not alone. Um, chances are that if you're feeling a certain way, it's the majority of us that feels that way, not the minority. You know, we've gone through definitely doesn't matter the branch, doesn't matter the type of job you did, we all dealt with certain commonalities that changed who we are, and we brought that home. Whether you did a trip overseas, whether you stayed here, we were just training to be overseas, the potential of going overseas. We all dealt with similar stuff. We still have similar demons. So you know, reach out to another vet, reach out to a service, reach out to anybody, because probably one of the majority, not the minority. Well said, and it's proven
0: every day that we you just need to start talking, and you'll quickly realize how crazy for thought whatever you're thinking is. And I'm often reminded when I think when I read the Stoics from like three thousand years ago. You can't really tell whether something that they said three thousand years ago was said yesterday, because three thousand years ago they suffered from the same mental cramp that we deal with today, and it's not unique. It's all part of the human experience, and the way to deal with it is what we had two thousand years ago of community and networking and people and tribes, and we were never meant to do life alone. I often repeat that that um, that's often where we fail in our transition is we convince ourselves that we should be able to do it alone and be tough, but. For two thousand years, we survived in tribes, and in the last 100, we've forgotten that. But we need to create tribes to get that commonality, so when life gives us something heavy, we can share the load. For sure, Anton. If anybody wants to connect with on socials, is there any particular way that they would? You prefer them?
1: Find me on LinkedIn. I'm super active on there. Just shoot me an email over at anton at oaktree.live if you ever need anything at all, or if there's other vets out there just need to talk.
0: Well, awesome. Well, Anton, thank you for sharing your afternoon with me. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present.
1: Dads, it's time to come home.